Hey, who is it? That's Neo. Hello, Come Neo. Come on. Neo, if I could just give you a couple of notes. Um, the yawns are good. The uh, this little noises you make in your sleep, gold. The one thing, though, I would just practice some restraint on is the amount of times your tail hits the microphone. Right. Because editing that out is really, you know... My producers have told me that it's very difficult. Okay. And since I am my producers, that's also inconvenient for me. So. Do you have something to say to Miss Jocelyn? No, you have nothing to say. Okay. I mean, we'll write it into the contract next time around, for mm-hmm. sure. Like, now that we're aware, it's an issue. But um, still so glad to have you. Those kinds of noises, that's gold, man. <laughs> Solid gold. This is why we work with you, Neo. <laughs> you are a professional. Oh my god, he's like such a ham. Welcome to Breast Cancer is Boring, a podcast about breast cancer with Jocelyn and Lauren. Whether you have breast cancer or any other kind of cancer or you're just a weirdo who's super <laughs> cancer curious, welcome. We hope you enjoy. Because breast cancer is boring, but we... And you mm-hmm. are interesting. I love it. All right. You ready to get this party started? Let's get it. Let's get it started. Ha. <laughs> let's get it started in here. Hey, actually, that's our new theme song. Just kidding. I was. <laughs> Can we buy It's just that? me. Oh. Yeah, no, we totally okay. didn't write it. It's me just singing Let's Get It Started mm-hmm. and claiming it's a parody so we don't have to pay royalties. <laughs> Okie doke. <laughs> hey. Hey. Welcome back. Welcome. Yeah. Remember us? <laughs> From season one? Season two. <laughs> yeah. Season two. Preview. <laughs> okay. For the, it's been a while. Just in case people have forgotten who we are. Let's uh, reintroduce ourselves. So I'm Jocelyn, diagnosed breast cancer 2018, and now I'm post-treatment. Had my last surgeries. I mean, I'm still getting my hormone shots and all of that, but hey. Good times. Stage two, triple positive, and now nothing. So that's great. What about you? Awesome. I'm Lauren. Um, diagnosed breast cancer 2017, um, and I finished treatment in 2019. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have foregone any more surgeries (laughs) lately. (laughs) Uh, I could probably, uh go in for maybe one or two more but i've decided to take a break from those things and hey, the options um, are endless right that's right so mm. loving that so uh great. on an endless trip with tamoxifen which mm. i despise greatly yeah and um i feel like it's my kryptonite and uh, i also okay. <laughs> i okay. also had a stage 2b uh, triple positive um, yeah. breast cancer, which was uh, definitely a life-altering experience. 
Definitely. Hence this show. (laughs) (laughs) It's so life-altering that, like, I have a physical need to talk about it uh, roughly every two weeks Mm -hmm. (laughs) at length with you, who I met at the Susan G. Komen walk race for the cure Yep. uh, after you came up to me and insisted that we be friends, which forever grateful for that there is no choice there was no choice there no choice there hello Uh, you will be my friend right (laughs) and then about a year and a half later i returned the favor hello you will be my podcast (laughs) co-host so it all comes around Mm -hmm. um okay so this is season two And while season one was mostly about the impact of being in active treatment, season two is about the devastating and all-encompassing lifelong effects of breast cancer diagnosis. So yeah, lots of fun to be had this season. We are going to, I feel like the banner, like the banner under which season two is happening is awkward. Awkward. We're going to get awkward we're going to talk about sex we're going to talk about god we're going to talk about the eventuality of certain death the collective social terror of the collective social terror that is the female nipple (laughs) um or the lack thereof and the nuances of being a feminist who also wants a really great pair of tits um which i feel like can coexist there is nothing wrong with that and we're going to talk about it at length at a future date. Um, then just as a reminder, uh, we're all adults here on the show, so you're going to hear some swears, mostly from me and my sailor mouth that I inherited while working in the ICU. I used to never swear. Can you believe that? I used to, it was just a thing, I think a holdover from my evangelical upbringing. And then I started to work in a trauma ICU, and that went like totally out the window. Zero to hero. And Zero to hero. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Zero to fucking hero. Um, so we use lots of swears uh, occasionally as well as anatomically correct language such as vulva, vagina, penis, nipples. Um, and that's not a sex thing. Those are just body parts. Um, other things about this show that I would say are pretty accurate is that it's pretty rapidly feminist. We're pro-vagina, pro-science, pro-facts, anti-racist, anti-fascist. I feel like it's sad we even have to say that. Mask-wearing, Black Lives Matter-supporting, uh, LGBTQ-plus-supporting, deeply flawed and sometimes problematic, <laughs> for sure. But also <laughs> trying very hard to mend our, but mostly my, trash-thinking garbage ways. So, we have fun. We. <laughs> no, like, we're just... Ugh. We're trying to have a real conversation around something that a lot of times does not feel very real. Yeah. And that is that the prevailing marketing of breast cancer as a thing has a habit of infantilizing women to the extent that we at once eliminate the woman and focus on the boobs, right. but not so much that we actually see the woman as a sexual being. So it's this weird middle nowhere, nowheresville of... The woman, the, like, banner woman of Breast Cancer USA, the pink warrior angel cowgirl with her arms in the air, like, that person, 
I feel doesn't actually exist. It's a fictional character. It's it's a fictional character, and it's not aspirational to me. Correct. And so this show is certainly not that. Nope. And if you want that, there's plenty of places to get that. But Absolutely. It's just, it's just not here. Nope. We're too real for that. We keep it real. Mm-hmm. Real talk. <laughs> Explosion sound. Anyway, that's where that... <laughs> Whatever that sound effect Air horn. Is. That's an air horn. Air horn! Maybe if I shout the sound effect into the microphone, I'll remember to put it in post. But uh, mm-hmm. mostly I won't because I just won't. I anyway. Think that, I think a lot of what we really focus on is not just comments like that are associated with breast cancer. Like people say, save the boobies, you know, save, yeah. save the, save the cha-chas, you know, mm-hmm. um, we're a lot more focused on, you know, saving the woman, saving the human, yeah. not every person that has breast cancer is female. So, um, good point. You know, I think that it's a, there's a lot more to it than what's been commercialized, and I think it's important to bring those things forward. And here we are. And here we are, trying to do just that. And everyone is welcome here. Seriously, everyone. Like, you don't have to, like, have all your shit together. You don't have to be absolved of all your garbage ways. I certainly am not. Just be curious. If something offends you or it's weird or you're like, oh, God, are they really going to talk about that? Like, be curious about that because I am. (laughs) Today, we're talking about that bitch because recently Mm -hmm. I was reminded of the fact that in 2017, when we took a trip to Italy, which was my first time going basically anywhere I started a little private Instagram account because I was not going to do like international uh calling on my phone or whatever and I and we were going to be gone for two weeks and I just wanted my family to know I was okay so I did an Instagram account private one called Rome is boring and which is was the precursor to breast cancer is boring which I never thought was going to be anything but a private Instagram account for my family. But anyway, so I started this Rome is boring and I was reminded of it. And so I, I looked it up the other day cause I forget about it, you know? Yeah. And I started scrolling through all these photos of me in Italy, which mm-hmm. are the best. That's like the best version of me, you know, cause you bring your best clothes, right? You are your most relaxed self. Mm-hmm. You're in fucking Italy. Right. You're in Florence. You're on Elba Island. You are in the hills of Tuscany on a, a Vespa. Oh my God. Sounds that amazing. You, I, it's just, it was amazing. And I, and I was like filled with like this warm nostalgia feeling. And then another feeling crept up right behind it. This like darker, heavier feeling. And I remember thinking in my mind, mm-hmm. That bitch. Mm-mm. When looking at a photo of myself. That's crazy. It's crazy, but it's not. Because I think, I think, I think most 
most women who get diagnosed with breast cancer, at least breast cancer, probably any cancer, but I think it's a shared experience scrolling through your phone and looking at your pre-cancer self and just thinking that bitch, that bitch, like she never had it so good, that kind of thing. Yeah. So I wanted to like dive into what exactly that means. And I mean, like when I say that bitch, cause there is, I don't mean it like in the good Lizzo way. And we'll talk a little bit about right. the use of the term bitch and its problematic origins. But for right now, I just want to make a distinction mm-hmm. because there are some very concrete things that that bitch used to think. Number one, that bitch thought nothing bad would ever happen to Aww. her. It was a concrete, like, certainty. Uh. She had some real trash beliefs that were kind of some holdovers from childhood upbringing and into early adulthood. Um, She had no idea what anxiety really, truly felt like. Mm -hmm. I don't think. Um, That bitch was me and is me, but is also not me anymore. Right. So that's kind of a weird metaphysical state to be in. It is Um, amazing. What a transformation we take when we go through a journey like cancer. It is. And it's a quick transformation. Like. It is. Head snapping fast. Right. I mean, it's like, I mean, it does. It transforms you physically and mentally over time. But the, I think when you're we've talked about this, like when you're faced with your own mortality yeah. and, and, you know, you have to talk about the word cancer. And then when you're like autocorrect comes on and everything like that starts with C a starts cancer. Yes. Like every oh my time. God. In your phone when you're yes. texting and you're like, God damn it. Yes. Uh, cancer yes. pops up constantly on oh. your autocorrect. Then you know that you are about to like, I don't know any woman or man, for that matter, who has gone through any sort of cancer journey that has been the same person that they were from when it started or before it began. Just not. Mm. Not not the same person. And I'm not saying better or worse, just not the same. Yeah. Just I, changed. Yeah. Uh, and for many of us, drastically. Yeah. Drastically changed. Um well, what, what was your bitch like? <laughs> Ooh. She was, oh, she had hormones. Mm. And, mm. you know, and nipples and, and mm-hmm. a uterus. Uh, oh, my. Yeah. Like, she had hair, like, nice hair. Not like this. Um. <laughs> Yeah, she and she was, I'd have to say she's, I don't know if I would say more fun, but definitely more, like, emotional, you know? Um, mm. I don't have any of, of those same, uh, it's different emotions that I have now than what I had before. Like, yes. I can clearly define um, a, a 
big difference and it doesn't mean I love less, but it's just different, you know? Um, like I think in previous episode, we've talked about how, you know, like small things would get you really ramped up, you know, like you would get really upset about certain things. Boundless Um, energy to like just throwing energy at anything and everything that came along because it was endless. Yeah. I had so much. Yeah. You could go on and on and on about how something was bothering you and how Mm -hmm. it made you feel and, Mm. and how that was like a big deal. And, Mm -hmm. and then, you know, you're, you're so like justified by the way you're feeling and you feel very justified by it. And then all of a sudden with this change, and I think it also has to do with a lot of like way less hormones than we've ever had. Yeah. Uh, And then suddenly it's like, eh, that's not really that big of a deal. (laughs) I just be like, I just, I don't, I don't, I'm not really going to argue about Mm -hmm. that. Yeah. More than ever before, the yeah. concept of needing to hoard your fucks exactly is like a survival technique now. It's crazy. It's such I have a to train myself to do it because my impulse is still to give fucks out like they are an endless renewable resource. <laughs> and now, in my paper calendar, <laughs> I will write myself notes on the next week's like list set of dates that says dude you cannot just like give a fuck about everything you need to be selective you have to conserve your energy for the things that actually matter and are within your control right and that's just like never a message that I felt like I ever needed to heed before because I I I had so much energy I had so much energy and now like we'll do this and Mm -hmm. I I'm telling you this is my entire energy for the day we will be done here and I'm going to, I think, I think I'm going to go do yoga after this in my bedroom slash gym slash office. Mm-hmm. But I don't know actually when I walk out of this closet when we're done, if that's going to happen because mm. I don't know if I'm going to have a fuck to give for that. Understood. That sucks. Yeah, I think... um I also don't take as much shit as I did before. Yes. Like I, I w- before yes. all of this happened, that the previous me mm. is submissive. The word I don't know if it's really the word that I'm looking for. I wouldn't say necessarily submissive, but I would. Mm. You know, I was, I was more of like, I don't like know, passive. Maybe, yeah, uh, I a little more passive, a lot more passive. Um, and uh, I don't have that in me anymore. I don't. That delights don't. me. When, it's crazy because, you know, um, and it's funny because it's not just in my relationships with my immediate family. It's also my at work too you know Mm -hmm. when somebody gives me lip like one of my employees is giving me lip oh no i will foolish and it's crazy because before i don't know if i would have addressed it as aggressively as i address it now where before i think i would have been like okay i can see that you're upset and i know that i'll be like uh you don't talk to me like that okay (laughs) 
I would say that's the drastic difference between her and me now. And it's, it's funny because people who really knew me before yeah, um, are having to get used to who I am now. Yes. Especially people that are very close to me. Yes. Um, and I don't know if they're inspired by my, uh, you know, less um, tender approach mm. or if they're a little like, whoa. Whoa, okay. Or I wish I could say that, you know? I, I remember being that person be like, oh gosh, I wish I could just speak what's on my mind. Just say like, sh-. but anytime I would be hit with a situation that would always surprise me, like somebody's um, poor choice of words towards me, I would be yeah. more shocked and be like, how do I even respond to that? And now I'm just like, <laughs> right on it. Like, uh, that's unacceptable. But I love I love this bitch. Like I, I love that. And even if I'm on the receiving end of it, I can remember times where, especially in the work setting, Mm -hmm. I have said or done something stupid. Right. Like just the wrong, my impulse was very wrong. And that person immediately was like, no, no, you don't get to do that. And that immediate redirection is like, it's basically that person not just standing up for themselves, but that takes effort on their part. And that means they value me enough to give me that feedback. Yeah. And they have enough belief, they have enough confidence that I can take that feedback and do something with it. Yeah. Because the most terrifying thing to me is, and this happened to me in high school a lot because mm-hmm. I went to real school my sophomore year of high school after being homeschooled all the way up to that point. And I didn't realize that people don't always say what they mean. Right. Sometimes people will say something and there's subtext to it. And that's on me. <laughs> but like, <laughs> so I just always said what I meant. Right. And I, and the first, I didn't have a filter. I just said the first thing that comes to mind. And that obviously got me in trouble, but the the way that it got me in trouble is like days later, I would find out that someone's mad at me and has been talking about it to everybody else but me. Oh, yeah. And so that's a very juvenile way of handling that. Whereas, and it, there's also this thing we do where we're like, well, they're just that way. That's just the way that person is. Yeah. Or we stop investing in people because we don't have the confidence that they will change. Right. And so when people put that confidence in me, mm-hmm. even though... I come off as very confident, very cocksure, which I think is still a term I can use. If not, someone correct me. Someone correct me! I'm open to that. (laughs) Anyway, I come off, like, strong to people. So for someone to come, like, to push back, not only do I immediately respect you, but, like, I'm appreciative. And if I don't agree, then we can disagree. Right. Because I like that, too. Yeah. I like that engagement. So what I'm saying is, you're my plan C. I'm going to work for you. (laughs) If something happens at my job where I push back at the wrong moment and I'm asked to (laughs) seek opportunities elsewhere, (laughs) please consider me someone that you can hire who will know her place (laughs) and respect you as a person. Got it. Um, Yeah. Yeah. That bitch I was for sure felt like somehow the universe understood how special she was Mm. while this bitch that I am now understands the universe is absolute chaos and connecting with other people 
is what makes anything special, even though it's probably one of the most difficult things to do. I have a really hard time connecting to people, actually. Uh, but, you know, that's just what my therapist says. Uh, I think uh, for sure that bitch that I was because she felt herself bestowed of universal specialness <laughs> <laughs> held on to certain trash thoughts and beliefs that this bitch that I am now is still trying to dismantle. And while that bitch may have given up for, for reasons of it being too hard and too complex, this bitch values the dismantling too highly to quit, even in the face of failure, which I often do. I often fail. And I often come off as not as intended, but I still come off that way. So that's very real. Okay. So case in point. Yeah. Because I, I like, there are some people who are like, oh, you weren't that bad. Or like, you know, you, you and, and like, maybe, but like, follow me on this because I really did have some deep rooted trash beliefs that I didn't realize were trash. So like one of them I had was, and I, this is like, it, conceptually, it's a little bit, it was hard for me to realize. It took me a while. But I used to think that there was only, like, that certain type of person who gets cancer. Oh. And I don't mean, like, I don't mean, like, there was an existing demographic of people. I just mean that, like, I placed all people with cancer into a certain category that then applied to them retroactively as a person. Oh. So, like... It resulted in them being the kind of person who gets cancer based solely on the fact that they got cancer. Like, okay, now you are a person who gets cancer. So that sounds like some metaphysical, like, high-level mental gymnastics stuff. <laughs> but it's not. Because I I think we do this to people at large. And, and the way that I think we still do this is the way that we look at our unhoused population. Like, think about the way that we, as a society and as individual people, like, investigate this in yourself. When you see someone, like, a homeless person, mm -hmm. and we talk about them like the homeless. Right. Right? So, and we're categorizing. You think that the, we're categorizing. Right. These people are homeless because they're just the kind of people who are homeless. As mm -hmm. though homelessness defines them as an individual, and it's their entire personality right it's their character in this movie in which we are the star and they are the homeless people and it defines them as an individual and their homelessness by virtue of the fact that they're homeless that makes them unworthy of being housed as though the universe recognized them as like having no value and assigned them to this group of people who are homeless so the, the problem with that thought distortion is anyone can lose their housing. Yeah. And we're seeing that now in a pandemic. Like, but, but I did, I didn't ever look at a cancer patient and think that could happen to me. Mm. I truly never did. And I think that that is a shared experience. I yeah. think that predominantly most people who find out they have cancer are shocked and they think this, this was not supposed to happen to me. I am not the kind of person who gets cancer. Mm -hmm. Very few people are like, well, I knew this was going to happen. Yeah. There are those, but I, I think that's. I'm not, I was never that person that ever thought like, 
oh, I have a headache. I must have a brain tumor. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was, I was definitely the opposite. But I do have to say that when something was going on weird that I thought was weird with my breast, my gut said that I had cancer. Oh, for sure. Like I, before I got the diagnosis. Oh yeah. I was like, uh oh. Yeah. <laughs> when I found that lump mm-hmm. on that Sunday, mm-hmm. I knew, but my conscious brain mm. totally overrode that. Okay. And when I told my friend, I didn't I have know that. She knew. <laughs> oh, you didn't have that? No. Uh. Uh-uh. Well, no. My conscious let brain me tell was you. like. My conscious brain was <laughs> was definitely. I, I already knew. I I. That's amazing that you knew. Um, but your story and my story are very different as far as, like, I had had these symptoms going on that I went to the doctor and they kept saying, oh, you know, you're fine. This is probably because of that. And I was like, but these are not normal. This is not normal. And then, you know, I had that mammogram and the ultrasound. They're like, oh, you're fine. I'm like... Yeah, no, I don't think I don't think so. Um It's a horrible horrible reality for so many women. I and I think that's what pressed me to continue because I was like you're not giving me the diagnosis that I have this gut feeling is there. Yeah. And then that's probably that you know is there. Probably is not an answer. When they say, you're, oh, you're probably fine. I'll never forget my, my OB-GYN after I had to have that hysterectomy when I talked to him about the changes in my breast. And he said, I'm 99% sure you're fine, but I can order that MRI if you want. So it made me feel like I was overreacting. You know? This, that, for women, and in particular women of color... That is something that happens a shit ton in medicine. Yeah. There's literature to support that. I did feel like, I was like, oh, well, he's probably right. And I'm just, you know, okay, I get it. He was like, you know, four weeks post-op this, you know, your hysterectomy, you're going to not have that issue anymore. It'll be fine. And I remember going to my post-op appointment and and saying, well, it's still... Something's still going on. And he was like, but your mammogram's clear. Your your ultrasound's clear. And I was like, but it's not right. And then, and that, mm-hmm. and again, he says, well, I can order it if you want me to. Like, I'm sure it's fine. Like, what kind of a statement is that even? And that's why I... If you're going to order it, just say, <laughs> you know what? There's no medical evidence to suggest that this is going on but i trust your instincts for the fact that you have lived with your body your entire life (laughs) right and so we're going to order this mri yeah why not just say that i don't know you're gonna do it why begrudge why begrudgingly order it yeah it did make me feel like i was behaving like I shouldn't, you know, or I was saying, thinking, like overthinking something, you know, but yeah, I think, um, that's definitely a problem in our, 
you know, healthcare system, unfortunately, and like what you said, you know, specifically of women of color. But it's that a known definitely problem. ties back to who I was before. And who I, you are now. I was like, oh, okay, you know, I mean, and I, I went with it for, you know, a couple months where I, I was just like, ah, oh, it's just something is wrong. And it finally, like, okay, I need the MRI. I just need the yep. MRI. And yep. I should have, at that four weeks post-op from my hysterectomy, said, uh, I need the MRI now. I right. should have said, and this girl who I'm now would have absolutely <laughs> said, now uh, you will, I need that MRI. I need it because something's not yep. right. Something's not right. Yeah. Totally different, way different scenario. I wish I had this. She was in there, but she was just really deep in there, just really deep. Well, she's been suppressed by, I don't know, a lifetime of messaging that she should just sit down and shut up. Which is very much what, and it's it's in the literature. I'm, Women I'm, die of heart attacks right. at a much higher rate than men because they are their symptoms are not believed. Oh, right. Their pain is treated differently mm-hmm. than, than men's pain. Right. I know I'm being very binary right now, but that's the evidence that we have. And right. again, especially you add in any kind of like racial disparage disparagement and it just it's awful and I don't see the attention to it in the medical community mm-hmm. that there really needs to be to like turn that around. Right. Still. Still I don't see it. Yeah. And it makes me so angry that you went through that. And then it also makes mm. me angry thinking about all the times that I may have ma- made a patient feel that way, you know, mm. by dismissing their comments or by not advocating to for them. Right. It just, it makes me a little bit sick to my stomach. Don't be sick to your stomach. <laughs> this bitch wouldn't do that. You're fine. I mean, this bitch wouldn't do that. Nope. But, God, that bitch. I know. It's weird envying a person that I was, but at the same time being like, girl, you should have done better. Yeah. It's such a mix of like. Oh, I feel the same way. I know. Yeah. I feel the yeah. same way. But Are there's just so many things that I just, yeah, I could have should have but I didn't you know and a lot of it has to do you know all of this change and all of who we are now has been a byproduct of what we went through mm-hmm. and it's so rapid it's, it's so, so rapid and it's crazy yeah. because you know we've talked about this before too is that now that we have hair and, um, you know, neither of us have a portacath anymore. Right. You know. Um, Scars well, are mostly hidden yeah, by clothing. Yeah. Um, you know, we're quote unquote normal now. 
And it's just like the tip of the iceberg. It's just so yeah, crazy. And I and I hope that people that are listening know, and if they've been through this, that they know that there's other people that feel the exact same way. And we feel you. You mm-hmm. know, we're right there with you. We understand that, you know, the rest of the world may see you as, oh, she's recovered. She's great. Now everything's good. And, you know, there's yeah. nothing to worry about. And and she doesn't look sick. So, yeah, you're done, right? Yeah, everything's you're great. Done. Everything's great. You know, good back job. to normal. Oh, wasn't that crazy that one time you had cancer and now you <laughs> totally don't? <laughs> back to normal. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's a life-altering um, situation that we go through, and I think that never, you know, we should never discredit that. And um, mm. we, it's great to grow and learn from it and also to share it with others and, and make sure that, you know, we touch base with each other. And I think it's important to let the rest of our loved ones and friends and, and just the general public know that, you know, there's a lot of things that people have that you can't see from the outside. And I mean, it's just like mental illness, you know, a lot of that you don't see on the outside. Um, and I think it's really, you see it and you don't know what you're looking at. Right. You know, and you, and you categorize it a different way. Right. Like you wouldn't look at a picture of me right now and think, ah, there's a woman who's immunosuppressed. (laughs) you know (laughs) nope (laughs) but she is and she misses those white blood cells and also she misses that hemoglobin of 14.5 and she misses her estrogen i know i miss my estrogen i miss my estrogen being in social mostly work situations thank you pandemic Mm -hmm. uh where i am thinking oh my god are you gonna cry right now are you actually going to cry in front of people? Like, pull it together. I, it's just not something I really had to grapple with before. And I, if I let myself, I swear to God, I'd cry every day. Oh, no. I'd cry every fucking day I'm alive. Yeah. I used to cry to work almost every morning. I'm oh like, I just did my makeup. I know. You know, like the mascara clumps together. Yes. So instead of like 20 eyelashes, you have like five, but they're super thick. <laughs> yep. I mean, that's a whole look, but just not the casual work look I'm going for. Mm-hmm. Nope. Yeah. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah. I know. I would, I mean, and it was so funny because I just try to be listening to like a radio talk show or something, you know, to keep my mind off of whatever and I don't mm-hmm. even know what it was like the littlest thing and I just be like, I was like oh why why it's or the littlest thing so a quick BSA or a bitch service announcement that I just wanted to squeeze in here in this episode we're using the the term bitch a lot so we should probably recognize that the term has long been used uh, predominantly by cishet men to deprive women of their power and that the reappropriation of the phrase by women and femmes and members of the LGBT community is ongoing and complex as is the white appropriation of this term 
in its new positive light after it gained much of its popularity in this context from female hip-hop culture, from Queen Latifah to Lizzo. Look it up. So, how do you know if you're allowed to use the term bitch? Here are some suggestions. Uh, Number one, I don't know. Why is it up to me? Why are you asking me these questions? Um, Also, if your name is Representative Ted Yoho, a Republican from Florida, you absolutely do not get to use this term, especially as it applies to your female um, co-workers. Negative. Sit the fuck down, Ted Yoho. In fact, if you're a cishet male, how about you just don't use it ever, just to be safe? Um, If you're a white woman like me, tread lightly. The usage in this episode is meant to be inspiring and, if nothing else, humorous. Um, But if anyone listening is experiencing the use of this term in this episode differently, I would be very into hearing about that. Um, If you are a woman of color and or a member of the LGBTQ community, I have no fucking business telling you what to do in any context for any reason. So I'm not going to do that. Um, to learn more about the historical context of bitch, as well as the continued appropriation of BVE, which is Black Vernacular English, by non-Black individuals, which is a real societal problem that we need to fix, Mm. Google the following articles. There is a Vox article entitled, Use of the Word Bitch Surged After Women's Suffrage, and that's by Lee Zhao. And then there is another article that I read... um, on a website called Feminuity, um, wow. and the name of that article is Using Black Vernacular English BVE as a Non-Black Person Isn't Woke If You Don't Understand the History, and that's by Anisha Phillips. So we will link these articles in the uh, episode description so you can just get like a, just a quick cultural appropriation of the term bitch 101 <laughs> and understand the historical context. And now, back to our show. Uh, yeah. That bitch had a lot to learn, never experienced true grief, anxiety, probably true pain or uncertainty, um, and the gut-wrenching fear. But this bitch gets it, and I think a lot of uh, people diagnosed with cancer get it. In fact, there was a 2018 study in the Journal of the National Cancer Institute that found... Um, that of uh, it was a meta study, so it's a study that looks at other studies and kind of compiles the st- significance of their findings. Mm-hmm. So, of thirty-eight studies of individuals with depression, thirty-three observed more depression in breast cancer survivors than wow. anyone else. Of twenty-one studies looking at individuals with anxiety, seventeen studies observed more anxiety in breast cancer survivors. So there is a multitude of statistically significant evidence supporting the idea that depression and anxiety exist um, in higher ratios for individuals diagnosed with breast cancer in particular. Um, And that is sobering. For. And sad. Sure. For sure. I believe that 100,000%. Yeah. Mm 100,000%. Which is a real number. Look it up. Oh, hi. Um, I mean, that's devastating. And on the other side of that, I can tell you for damn sure that that bitch I was before could never have summoned the confidence to wear a buzz cut into their workplace. Right. Never. It would have never happened. I would have never chosen that haircut for myself. And I loved it. 
I loved it. And I think about that buzz cut all the time. Oh, gosh. I would love to cut my hair off. I would. So I feel like a responsibility to these curls because I feel, I still feel, even though they've been around for like, I think we're going on two years here with these curls. I still feel like they might flatten out Mm. and I might lose them. So it's like, I feel like this weird urgency to like do what I can with them in case they go away. Right. But I really feel like that buzz cut's going to come back. It was so incredibly freeing. Yes. So freeing. Yes. I would love a short haircut. I would love a short haircut. Why don't we do this? I know. Why don't we just do it? What is the matter with us? Uh, it's well, like the the cultural standards by which we measure what beauty is, what attractiveness is, what sexy is. Is it so strong? Like, is that what's preventing me from doing it? Mine is my kids. <laughs> <laughs> Mommy, I love your hair. Like, ah, oh, jeez. But mommy would love Once to- again, you have such a more important thing going on <laughs> than I do. You know, I think, well, I don't know. I'm like, I don't know am it- I still attractive with a buzz cut? And then you're like, will my yeah. children be traumatized forever if I buzz my hair? <laughs> I mean, I, I would love at least, I just, I would just want to, I just want to like, just shorten it up. You know? Oh, I love that. I, I just, love that, Bob. Just, I love that, what you're doing there. I just want to shorten it up. Mm. Mm. But, well, I can tell you, I have no intention of growing this hair out past my shoulders. Oh, it is so gross. It's, it's gross. I, I basically have two hairstyles now. Uncontrollable curl. <laughs> encroaching on my actual, like, physical vision. <laughs> And pulled back with a silk scarf. I like the silk Those scarf. are my looks. I think Thank it's pretty. You. you see that I, I like kind of have a tail going in the mm-hmm. front. I Just like that. if I want to be extra chic, it's, I do that. It's fancy. It's very fancy. No one can see this no. face I'm making, but it's really good. Um, <laughs> you mentioned it before. This bitch that I am that you are now takes a lot less shit and gives mm-hmm. a lot less fucks. Mm-hmm. And I would say in very, in general is, is, is less concerned with what other people think about her. Mm-hmm. Like, don't get me wrong. I still love praise and I still want people to like me. I actually have a very deep rooted crippling need for validation, uh, which knows almost no bounds, <laughs> but the amount of time that I'm willing to spend cultivating that from others mm-hmm trying to influence the way I'm perceived by others is significantly lower, significantly lower. And to borrow an expression from, I believe Brene Brown was the first person I heard say this. And it stuck with me is I am a kinder person now, but I'm not as nice. Okay. And I think understanding the difference has everything to do with the fact that I'm less prone to hide parts of myself mm-hmm. in order to appear more palatable to a wide audience mm. I'm just I'm less interested in that yeah and I'm also I find myself highly suspicious of people who come off as very broad in their Ooh. 
beliefs or ideas or what they put out there. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. because I don't know. I, I value knowing what I'm getting from a person. Right. Even if I don't like it, at least that person is being upfront with me. Totally. I, I appreciate that. So can we say, I mean, essentially what we're saying is cancer made us better people, right? Ooh, that's tough. (laughs) Fuck no! That's a, that's a tough thing to say. No! (laughs) I baited you with that question. Yeah. Uh, I would have to say. You didn't take the bait. (laughs) Ah, I would, it, different, Mm. maybe not better. I, I think there's no question I'm better. I think there's no question you're better. I, however, do not accept this idea that it's cancer that made us better. I made me better. Yeah. You made you better. That's, I made, I feel like a more accurate version of yourself. Yeah. Yes. Of who I am. But that's Some of that could just be age, but. It might not just be cancer. I think also just a life experience or a life altering experience. Yes, but but like, don't, I really get angry. I have a visceral reaction Mm. to people who put things out there. And I know that the intent is not for me to become enraged when they do this. (laughs) But when people put things out there like, I'm so grateful to cancer for helping me see. I fucking hate that shit because you know what, cancer, cancer did nothing but fuck up my shit. Yeah. It did nothing but that. It put no work in at all. No. Cancer is not a self-improvement opportunity. It is a trauma. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cancer is a trauma. You grow from the trauma. Yes. Mm-hmm. Cancer happens to you. And you start thinking about who you are. And you start thinking about the things that you believed. And you you make different choices and you go down different pathways in your mind and think about things differently but cancer had nothing to do with that yeah it's correlation versus causation Mm -hmm. you happen to get cancer and then you went on this introspective journey but cancer didn't cause you to become better the same way if you become more of an asshole after getting cancer. It's <laughs> right. not the cancer that made you more of an asshole. The asshole was inside you all along. <laughs> you know? Yeah. The self-actualization is coming from inside the house. Yeah. It's you. You're doing the work. Right. I'm doing the work. Yeah. Cancer gets nothing because cancer's gone now, apparently, and the work continues. Yeah. That's true. And this metamorphosis continues, and the crying yeah. in my car on the way to work Continues. <laughs> so I just, I highly recommend not listening to that song, that REM song, Everybody Hurts. Everybody Don't hurts. listen to that crap. If oh my you, God. If you were ever a 90s kid, okay. was that 90s? Yes. Don't Are you aware? <laughs> listen to that song. I have an entire playlist of songs to cry to. No. Yes, I do. No. It's on my Spotify. I'm bringing it up right now. Um, 
Oh, yeah. Uh, Two hours and 56 minutes. So this is nearly three hours of crying time. No. Because here's the thing. I used to have like a, a, a trouble cry because I would... Trouble cry. I used to have trouble cry. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. Yeah, no one does. It's not a sentence. Um, I used to because I was so closed off from human emotion because it was just like too overwhelming to me, I guess, okay. and also not valued from my childhood. I used to like compartmentalize my entire, every experience in my life, Oh, um, which according to my therapist is not a good practice. Uh, but so then when I was trying to figure out like why I was crying at random times <laughs> when I... <laughs> And why I couldn't absolutely and definitively control it. This is even pre-cancer. I, I, I started theorizing that if I could schedule times to cry, oh then it's like God. I would get it out of my system. And then it wouldn't happen at random times that I couldn't control. What the yeah. hell is wrong with you, Jocelyn? Stop I'm it. I'm too smart. <laughs> too, no, no, that's ridiculous. My intelligence is too high. So I constructed this Spotify playlist I, I can't believe to, you're actually admitting to this. <laughs> I'm not sure that this is something that I would put out there that I that you created. I'm going I to have get no crying out of my system. <laughs> oh, you got to lance it like like pus from a boil, okay? And then you can just get over it. So, I mean, I've got stuff like James Blake is is in heavy rotation um i do have an rem song and i'm trying to figure out which one it is oh my god the end of the world what uh what are you doing uh covered by sharon van Etten. this is not a so recommendation good. by the way um not Suf a Jan recommendation Jan stevens has so many songs to cry to he is just ooh. He's really good at that. Way is blood. A lot's going to change. That's a really good one. Oh, R.E.M. Everybody Hurts is on here. <gasps> Radiohead. Exit music. Very good. Yeah. Um, oh, my God. Justin Bieber Lonely is on here because guess yeah. what? I'm still adding songs to this cry list. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, oh, um, Phoebe Bridgers, Friday I'm in Love. I don't know why that makes me cry. It's the songs. Oh, what's that song? Um, the songs that make me cry the most are the songs that the lyrics, if you read them on paper, sound so sunny and happy and upbeat. But the way that they're sung, it makes it sad. And it's, um, what's that song? Uh, it's Such a Perfect Day. Is that a song? Oh, my God. It's such a perfect day. I want to spend it with you. It's such a perfect day. You keep me hanging on. Keep me hanging on. Which is that? I don't know what that song is called, but like, oh my God. It's so sad. Oh my God. I mean, yeah, I don't have a I Cry playlist because I don't because literally... (laughs) Because you're not a sociopath? <laughs> well, that does sound a bit crazy. Um, and <laughs> it's a little nuts. Also uh, t- terrifying that you have a cry playlist. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I would have to say, I mean, I would even cry to even empowering songs. You know, like oh. like Katy Perry's Roar. I would be like, really? 
why is this making me cry? Aww, because that's really sweet. But I think for me, um, and I think this has a lot to do with the fact that I'm a mom, where mm. I have to be brave and strong for my kids, mm-hmm. and I have. I mean, I have to show them how to, you know, healthy cry. So I'm gonna. Something's going to upset me. And they're like, oh, my Mm -hmm. gosh, mommy, are you upset? Like, can I help you? I'm like, mommy doesn't need help. But I just, you know, I have, I'm having big emotions is what you tell little kids. And, you know, that's hard. But I don't want my kids to ever think that I'm not human where I don't cry and don't have feelings. And, you know, like mommy is just super strong. Um, So I need them to understand that crying is a healthy thing and sometimes you cry because you're happy and sometimes you cry because you're sad and all those things so it's funny because sometimes I would catch myself crying in the car and my kids would be in the car I'm like mommy why are you crying and then I would start laughing because I thought you know you realize how ridiculous it is that like I'm not even crying over anything I'm just crying mm-hmm. and um yeah I love my mother but uh I think I could have really benefited from having a mom like you who okay. was like, it's okay to cry. And sometimes you cry when you're sad and sometimes you cry when you're happy. And it doesn't have to be an overwhelming experience that you schedule in a calendar once a week. <laughs> so I'll mommy you. I got don't you. Don't do it, please. No. <laughs> I don't want you to be my mom. <laughs> I want you to be my friend. Okay. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> I'm crying. Turn, I would like a soundtrack to this cry, please. <laughs> Alexa, play Everybody Hurts. No. No. <laughs> Do you know what song gets me every fucking time? Mm-mm. You're going to make fun of me for this, and you should. Um, but Tears in Heaven by Eric Clapton. Oh, that's actually a, a valid... That's a valid that one. That one is brutal. Yeah. It's brutal. And yeah. people who play it casually as part of a playlist in public places there's should something really wrong rethink with you. that decision. Mm, yeah, there's sure. something wrong with you. If you can listen to that whole song and not cry. Mm-mm. Nope. Yeah. Uh, I could agree with that um, a thousand percent. Excellent. In conclusion, <laughs> that bitch you were is gone. She gone. Let her go. Mm -hmm. This bitch is who you are now. And it's because of you and not cancer. You don't owe cancer a debt of gratitude Mm -hmm. or any appreciation. And if you want to give it those things, then do it freely. But don't do it because you owe it anything. Nope. It's not a bank you borrowed money from and now you have to pay it back. If anything, and just going with this metaphor because it's what I wrote down. I love it. It's a loan shark who forced you to borrow money, then charged you 40% interest, compounded weekly. Then it broke both your legs for defaulting on the loan and will haunt you for the rest of your days because you can't possibly pay it down. So, yeah, be grateful to the loan shark who gave you uh, physical deformity for the rest of your life. (laughs) If you want. Uh, I choose not to. mm -mm. I choose not to. No. So. This is who I am. Yep. This bitch is who I am now. Yeah. And it's not for everybody. I'm not for everybody. I'm not the ranch dressing (laughs) of life. 
Okay. Don't accept people that say, well, you used to Mm. anything, blank, Mm -mm. whatever it is, Mm -mm. or Mm -mm. anything in that context, because there's nothing wrong with you changing and growing. Yes. There's nothing wrong with that. And everyone should know that. Yes. Because you're you're being the best who you are as you are now. You're doing the best. And if you're not, you know it. And you get to decide whether you want to or not. Right? <laughs> it's like totally up to you. Totally. And just understand that some of the way people perceive you is real. And then some of the way people perceive you is projection. Right. And do some work around looking up projection mm-hmm. and what that is and what that feels like and how to spot it because you will save yourself a lot of grief when you realize that most of the time when people have a problem with you, assuming you're not a garbage person who's calling their coworkers bitch and meaning it in a bad way, <laughs> assuming you're not a person walking around with a bunch of trash beliefs and just flinging them at everybody, um... Most of the time, that has a lot to do with who that person is and nothing to do with who you are. And people who have expectations of you for their own gain and and are not interested in understanding who you are as a person, um, those are the kind of people that aren't worth your energy. Mm-mm. And you can probably just avoid them. So, But uh, don't avoid us, because uh-huh. we like you. We do. <laughs> and, and, and even though we're not for everybody, especially me... Um, we're glad you're here and we want to be friends, uh, even as making new friends is a, uh, completely, uh, deeply, deeply anxiety provoking process for me because of my need for constant validation from others, <laughs> even strangers on Instagram. <laughs> um, yeah, it's there and I can't get rid of it. So just gotta be aware of it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, that's our show. Speaking of Instagram, you can follow us at Breast Cancer is Boring uh, for episode clips and alerts of random nature and Instagram stories that are filled with, oh God, just a mishmash of my personal thoughts and feelings and, and donuts. And <laughs> so good. I concur. Thank you everyone for listening. Yes, thank you. 